0: The Bible is God speaking to us today, and uh, if we're looking for something in life, it's the first place we should look. It should always be in the back of our minds. It should be something that is the standard of life, not ideas, not opinions, but we should always in the back of our mind think, what does God say in His Word? What does He say in the book? Because He has connected Himself to the book, to the Bible, and on purpose. And so today, we're going to talk about being free and living in freedom. You know, freedom can be uh, different to different people. Different people can be in bondage to different things. People can be in bondage to religious traditions. Jesus, you know, the Bible is inspired by the Lord, and and the Lord said, He said that the traditions of men. Uh, would make the power of God of no effect. Think about that. A a tradition could short-circuit the power of God. I mean, just short-circuit it. That doesn't mean there's not power. It just means the power is not flowing like it should. Somehow we got disconnected. And he said the traditions of men. Now understand this. Sometimes we say, well, you know those denominational people? They got a bunch of traditions. We have to be careful too because we can have our own. So instead of throwing rocks at them, we might want to find out we may have some too. You know, I remember when I, uh, I used to play handball, you know, in school, and you had those orange or red balls and the yellow ones, and you, and you kick them against the wall, and they come back at you. You know, I remember doing this like you'd think you'd learn after the first time. There was this one little sloping hill and a block wall there at the end of this building, and I'd kick it and get closer and kick it real hard, and I remember kicking it so hard it just did a little bounce and shot up and hit me in the jaw. So hard that it felt like my jaw went back into my ears. It was hard to hear. I couldn't move my mouth hardly. And I, you know, I I don't know if I dislocated or something like that. But it would hurt so bad. And I remember trying to eat. And, you know, after about a full day, it would be gone, you know, but I'd just bear up under it. But I kicked that thing against the wall, and it came back and hit me. You know, sometimes we may be looking at other people, but it may come back and kick you. We might just have just as many traditions that hurt us. You know, we're waiting for God to do something. That's a tradition. We believe in the power, but we're waiting for God to do something. That is a tradition That's, that, that doesn't help us. Because God want, is a God of now who does stuff today. Amen. Not a god of tomorrow, but he is the god of tomorrow. But we don't live there. We don't live tomorrow. We don't live in tomorrow. We live in today, and so we need to understand that there is a way to walk in freedom from whatever it is, whether it's a religious tradition, and sometimes we have them we don't even know. It could be any kind of thing. It could be any kind of addiction. It could be anything. The Lord has freedom for His people. You know, John 8, 31 said, Jesus said, If you continue in my words, you are my disciples indeed. And He said then, verse 32, He said, You would know the truth, and the truth would make you free. What if you look at that from the other side? You'd know the truth, and the truth would give you freedom. We know the Word of God is truth. Well, what could that be saying? It could say this, the truth you don't know can't help you. He said if the truth will make you free, then understand this, the truth you don't know can't help you. It doesn't mean there isn't truth. It doesn't mean it's not there. But if you don't know it, it can't help you, and then it can't make you free. But he said, if you would continue in his word, he said, then you could know the truth. So the truth you don't really know can't help you. The truth you really don't know can't help you. And when you don't know it, you don't know it. That's not the same thing. If you don't know it, you don't know it. And we need to understand, you know, Proverbs 4 says this, verse 20. He said, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears unto my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them into the midst of your heart. He said, For they are life unto those who find them. They're what? They're life unto those who find them. And he said, Health to all their flesh. Notice, it well, the truth you don't know can't help you. But he said you could find them and then they would become life, freedom, health, whatever you need. But you got to find them. You've got to find the truth. Jesus said the way you find it is you continue looking in the book. Because sometimes the truth will challenge you. We need to understand the value of truth and know the sobriety of truth too. And why there's such a battle about truth. Why is there such a battle about Bible truth? And Because truth will set people free. And if we get people to stop talking about different kinds of truth, then, then whole swatches or pieces of society will live in bondage and think they're right different kinds of lives and lifestyles and habits, and they'll say, this is okay. You need this to relax. This is how I am. This is the way I am. And what happens is when the truth doesn't come, it can't help them. And so people say, don't say anything because it might offend them. Why don't we say something and maybe it'll help them? Why don't we say it and help people? Because the thing is, if we don't say it, people may come and be around the things of the Lord, but never find freedom. And then they just keep living the way they are, but they're not finding freedom. They're not walking free. And the Lord doesn't want that. You know, Jesus even said, you know, he said, you know, more than one place in Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel, this is real familiar to people, but it really fits in that place, their life unto those who... Find them. So you need to find them. And what did Jesus say? More than once. He said, knock and the door will be open." He said, ask and you would receive. But then he also said right in the middle of those two things, he said, seek and you will find. Well, if you find them, then you can find freedom. If you find them, you can walk in liberty. What we need to know is this, that lies and bondage go together. So if we don't even know the truth, we could be following a lie and, and we're living by a lie and we're living in bondage the, and, and Satan is connected to bondage. Just remember that. The Lord is not connected to people being bound. He was always connected with people being free. Everywhere Jesus went, people got free from different things. He was that way. But lies really hold people in bondage. That's why you need to find the truth. Seek the truth. Hungry hearts want more, but then the truth is presented, you have to look at it. You have to accept the truth, and then the truth will make you free. Remember, Satan is the author of lies, according to John 8, 44. He's the author of lies, and so what do lies do? They try to trick people into believing stuff that will hold them captive, It's okay if you don't serve God now. You could just get after it later in life. You're missing out on a lot of life right now. That's a lie. Because if you don't serve God, you are missing out on the life. The real life that's from him and him alone. And the devil will tell people, but but he doesn't show up with a pitchfork. And he doesn't show up in a red suit. You know, like your pajamas or something with the little buttons in the back. And he's like, hey, I'm the devil. I'm here. I'm just trying to rob your life. You'd go, ah, oh, I know who you are. You the Bible said through his subtlety. And so he'll just subtly inject the thought that you're going to miss out if you really go for it. But it won't seem like it's from the devil because it's through his subtlety. It's so subtle. Well, well, if I do this, what am I going to lose out on? Why do we think negative? Why do we think negative? Who said following God makes you lose out on anything? Jesus gave us truth to straighten out our thinking. He said, he, he said it like this. He said, if you try to save your own life, he said, you'll lose it. He said, but if you'll lose your life for my sake and just really go after it, he said, you'll find life. You'll get it. So where does that thought come into that if I really go after it, I'm going to lose? No, if I keep going after my own ways, I lose. You'll start finding. You'll start finding truth. You'll start walking in greater freedom. And it's so important for us to recognize that there are subtle lies out there that would try to rob you. Devalue God, devalue His things, make you lightly esteem His word, because all that you need is right in that book called the Holy Bible. You out there? And so if Jesus, if Satan is connected to lies then think about it. Truth and freedom always go together. And Jesus is the author of that. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. Satan is a liar. He's connected to bondage. We don't want anything to do with bondage. You know, when you're bound up, you know, or if somebody's tied up, they can't run, they can't function, they can't move like they should. Could you be that way spiritually where there is great freedom in the Lord? just to really enjoy life with him? There really is. And there is a way to walk in it and live in it. And Jesus did say, you know, in the Bible, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. But, he, but the Bible also said this, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. When people were sick at different times, Jesus said, like this one woman who'd been crippled for a long, 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 long time, had been around, and she showed up at a meeting, and he said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? In other words, being somebody who belongs to God. Back then, the closest you could get to God was being a covenant person with him through, you know, his promises he made with the people of Israel. But, today we can be... Sons and daughters of God. But back then, that's as close as you could get. And he said, shouldn't this person, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these four, 12 years, be loosed of her infirmity on this day? Be be set free. He attributed it not to God. He attributed it not to God trying to teach him something. He didn't attribute it to God Punishing them for something. He solely laid the burden of the failures and the problems of life on the fall of man when he yielded to the enemy. And that was the doorway. You with me? In God, there's none of this. We know because when we get to heaven, there won't be any of this. What can we do to know the truth and find the truth? Turn to 2 Corinthians 3. The third chapter. Second Corinthians, the third chapter. People are hungry. You know? And not for tacos. And burritos. You might be hungry for that. But people really are hungry to know the Lord. And I mean in a real way. In a greater way. And... To walk in great freedom, this whole chapter here in uh, 2 Corinthians three is a real interesting chapter. It it really covers when Moses, if you have read the Bible or watched, you know, the Ten Commandments, when Jesus or Jesus Moses, Jesus wasn't there then, uh, not yet, but so to speak. But uh, Moses went up on the mountain, met with God. He goes up there, and God with his finger, writes in some stones and gives some commandments to, the, to mankind, you know, his people, told him what to do, what not to do, you know, to love God, don't lie, do these things. And so Moses is up there talking to God and the power of God. Nobody ever spends time with God and gets robbed. Well, you know, I just feel like it's just, I just don't know if this is the best use of my time. Nobody spends time with God and gets robbed. Moses was up there for four minutes. No, four hours. No, four days. No, 40 days. I mean, he's just talking to God for 40 days. Wonder what would happen if we just committed to pray for like 40 days and just spend some time every day, talking to God. wonder if anything would ever, I wonder if you'd get robbed. I wonder if after 40 days you'd feel ripped off, feel ripped off. I've been robbed of valuable time. You think that's going to happen after committing to doing that? No way. How come people think they get robbed by spending time with God? I just don't have time. Then you need to make time because that is worth more than you know. You with me? More than you know. To be able to spend time with God, nobody spends time with Him and gets robbed. Nobody. Sometimes people don't want to spend time with Him because He starts dealing with them, and then we go back to that thing, I got to do. Well, I ain't praying. I'm just too busy. Maybe it's because we get dealt with. And not in a bad way, but listen... When you spend time with God, he's going to take you from where you are to a further place in him. That's what he's going to do. So when he starts dealing with you, he's going to start doing stuff in your life that's just going to take you further in him to be more of a blessing, that he can be more of a blessing in your life, so you can be more of a blessing in other people's lives. Well, I'm just too busy doing ministry. Then then you need to back up a little bit, keep doing some ministry, but put time in with him and it'll pay. And so these people this story right here is a story about Moses being up on this mountain with God. All the people are down the hill and they see nobody's allowed to touch the mountain or anything and there's this dark cloud. Now it's not like a cloud like when you drive down the road, you know, and you see a volcano's got a cloud or, or you know, storms move over and it just kind of is puffy and hanging over. No, the cloud he's talking about that was hanging was the same cloud that came over the mountain when Jesus went up to pray. The, it was called the glory of God. And when Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, a cloud came over and God spoke out of the cloud. And Peter, James, and John hit the ground. Jesus was praying. He was transfigured then. You go over back there to Ezekiel 33 to where the story is about Moses. He's up there praying. God's speaking to him. He sees the glory of God. The Lord speaks to him, deals with him. And uh, he's just got this power on him, and he's got power. He's got the glory of God. There's something about getting around God and getting around his spirit where he, by his spirit, unveils to you truth out of the word and deals with you inwardly, and you just know stuff. And so what happened was Moses came down off the hill, and the Bible said he didn't even know his face was glowing. He's, you know, Some people say he's on fire, like he was, like literally almost, He's just glowing and he comes down and he's carrying these commandments and he comes to talk to the people and to communicate with the people. I've chopped up the story a little bit because first time he got ticked off. But then afterward, because they were doing something totally wrong, he's up there getting words from God that say, like, don't have any other gods before me. And he comes marching down the hill and they've made a golden calf. And they're worshiping it. But fast forward, now he comes to them at different times. And he comes and his face is glowing. And it's not just because there's a bright light on it. The glory of God, the power of God was going out. And what happened was the people said, we don't want that. We don't want that. We don't want this. They said, read us the commandments of God, but cover your face. Don't show us this power, this glory, this manifestation of the Spirit. Just give us a nice message. Just read the Ten Commandments to us. No power, no life, no transforming ability, just written in stone. And the Bible said this, you can read this chapter, don't read it right now. Like, all right, cool, I'll read it. No, when you get home. But right now, I'll tell you what it says, you can read it. The Bible said that the, the Israeli people, these people, it said that that veil, because they didn't want that glory, they just wanted the commandments. We want God's spirit to move and deal with us. Some people just go, well, I'm doing my duty in reading the Bible. No, we want God to teach us and deal with us and work in us because that's how you get free. And what happened was they said, we don't want that. And so the Bible says here in this third chapter that the veil still lays on their heart. So in other words, he covered his face, but really it covered their heart. They, They would hear the truth, but it just didn't do what it was supposed to do. It just doesn't do. The truth doesn't do what it's supposed to do. When they just said, well, we'll take the written word, but the, the interaction of your power and your spirit working, nah. They did that. So he said, from now on, in the reading of the commandments and things from God, the children of Israel it said, there is a veil that lays, lays over their heart. How sad is that? Well, I wasn't going to read it, but we'll, we'll read it. Go 2 Corinthians 3.15, I was going to read the last couple of verses, but let's read this. But even to this day, when Moses is read, or, you know, the commandments, the law, the prophets, the things like that are read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. The veil is taken away. What is he saying? That power, the move of the Spirit, his ability to teach you is there now and will help you. They didn't want it. It was covered. He said, when one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away, and now that glory is there to help you, to teach you, to direct you. It's God's Spirit working. And notice this. So if you say, well, I wonder if I have that veil. Have you turned to the Lord? Have you given your life to Jesus? Because if you have, it is removed. Notice this. Verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. Why? Because he, in the context, it's really about hearing the truth and being taught the truth by the spirit of God so you can come into your freedom that he's bought for you in every area of life. And so he said here, But we all with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, the Bible talks about the written word as being a mirror. This is a book that is authored by the Spirit of God, and not only is authored by the Spirit of God, but is taught us by God. And it says, We behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. They didn't want that. They didn't want that. Thank God we're Spirit-filled. And we'll praise God, loud or quiet, but we'll praise Him. And we'll thank God that He's in us, teaching us, that He's in this atmosphere working. So when we hear the Word of God, we're not just hearing a sermon, but we're hearing Him say something. That's where we need to live. So we should say, all right, God, you rise up in me. I'm a believer. You teach me. And He will. When you have freedom, you'll be excited. Well, I'm free. I'm free. No, when you're really free, you'll be excited. You'll have a testimony in your mouth. Notice this. I'm going to read this from the Amplified. It says, and, verse 18, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the Word of God, as a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly... It Notice, we've continued... If you continue, he said then, if we would continue in his word, we'd be disciples. He said, because we continued to behold the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly, if we will continue and continually look at the word, he will constantly, constantly, well, how much do you want? well just a little bit here and there then he'll give you a little bit there here and there but if you will continually do it he will constantly do it he's just waiting on you he's just waiting on me well i've been waiting on him and he's been waiting on you and i've been waiting on him and he's been waiting on me well then what are we waiting on i'm confused i don't know he's waiting on us amen I mean, he's already died, he's already rose from the dead, he's already paid for whatever you need. And he said if you'd continue, then he would constantly or you'd constantly be transfigured into his very own image. Not just look like him, but act like him. Walk in the faith he walked in. Walk in the love he walked in. Walk in the freedom Jesus walked in. Walk in everything he walked in. Be effective with the Father like Jesus was effective with the Father. Everything. He said if you would continue and continue, and he would then constantly have this happening in your life. Continue, and it would be constant. That's, I don't know about you, but that's halfway decent news here on this cloudy day. Wait a minute, it's not even cloudy. It's a good day to hear his word. And he said, we would be constantly being transfigured into his own image in every, in ever increasing splendor. And from one degree of glory to another. You know, I'm not going to name names, but we went on a mission trip and we were up in the mountains and We had somebody fall down a hill, and they just tumbled down the hill. Not saying who it was, but they tumbled down the hill. That's not what he's saying right here. You do this, and you're just going to tumble down the hill. It's going to get worse. No, he's talking about going up. You ever fallen? I've fallen down a couple hills and just tumbled and tumbled, and you thought, well, it's got to come to an end sooner or later. That's not what he's saying. He said, if you'll continue, constantly you'll be transfigured into his very own image and an ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. You'll just keep going. You know, the Bible said he'll make our feet like hinds feet. That we might walk in the high places. You know, he'll make our feet like a deer. He'll make them like a mountain goat. You know, you see those things on hills and rams upon hills. That they can keep ascending and ascending where other people can't. But he can do that for you if you'll continue in his word. And it's interesting because Romans the 8th chapter said this. That we, every believer, has been preordained. Predestined. God, God, before you were born, already had a certain destiny for you. Somebody said, I'm trying to find out what it is. Go to Romans, the 8th chapter, and you'll find that he has predestined every believer to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, you aren't going to be Jesus. You're not going to be the Savior of the world. You're not going to be the Redeemer. But you are predestined to be conformed to his image and he walked with God. The Bible said he came to show us a way to live. He became an example for us of how we ought to live. Somebody, some people have just thought he lived a way that nobody could ever live. But he was actually living a way to show us how to live. And so here in the Amplified, it says this. He said from one degree to another degree of glory. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. But notice how the Spirit and the Word are connected. Continuing in the Word brings constant change. Constant, continual change. You know what's interesting? Psalm 1, verse 3, you know, he talks about not walking, one, one. Don't walk in the... Counsel of the ungodly. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. In other words, he's saying, be careful who you sit around, who feeds you, who shoves things in your ears and shoves stuff in your mouth. They're just shoving stuff in. Be careful where you sit. You might yawn and they might shove something in there. (laughs) Pound your ears with stuff. And He said, don't sit with them. He said, don't walk with them. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't walk in this place. Don't sit in this place. He said, but what are you supposed to do? He said, let your meditation, verse 3, be in the word of God. He said, let it be something you ponder day and night. He said, you would then be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and the rivers of life who would bring forth its leaf and its fruit and its season and whatever you would do would prosper. Not just money, but whatever you would do, your walk with God, your family, whatever it is would prosper. He gave, Why would he give you instructions to prosper if he didn't want you to prosper? Here's the big thing. He said you would become like a tree. Too many people have lived in the shadow of somebody else's tree. They they've seen somebody else be strong in the Lord and they've run and sat under their tree, and then then they see somebody else doing something they run and get under their tree. Oh, it's so good to be under their tree. Listen, you got to be your own tree. You got to grow up. You got to meditate in the Word of God until your roots get down deep and you start growing and you cast your own shadow. So. People can eat the fruit of your life and not just go out looking at other things. People are looking for comfort, and they're looking for help. And where would you go on a hot day? I've done it before out riding my bike. I remember one time I was out in the desert, and I thought, I can get out there and get back 10 o'clock. And uh, I rode out there, and my chain broke on my mountain bike. I'm miles out there. You know what I started looking for? A tree. I was like, I got to get, I mean, and here I am, one leg on the pedal and the other one, like I got a giant skateboard. Town to town. I walk it up the hill, and, and but wisdom dictates you get a chain tool. So if you break, you put it back together. So praise the Lord, that won't happen again because I got one of those little things in the little bag in my bike now. But the fact of the matter is, I was looking for shade. I also bought a water bottle that was insulated, too, and spent some money because I found that I could have made tea, hot tea. I mean, it was hot out there, and I was looking for shade. And I'm thinking, but I can't sit here forever. I've got to get out of this. And, you know, on one of those hot days, people, when life gets hot, and it is hot for a lot of people, And God wants you to be a tree. He doesn't want you to just say, well, you can go over there. There's a tree over there. I know a person is a tree over there. He wants you to be a tree planted. And the only way you're going to get planted is if you meditate in His Word. That's where you're going to find the freedom. That's where you're going to bring forth fruit. And then you're going to prosper in this life. You with me? Let's look at one more verse of Scripture. God doesn't want you to be somebody else. Now, God wants you to be who you are. And I understand when we're first grown in the Lord, we we should enjoy the shade of other people. And there's nothing wrong with getting under the shade of other people. But there comes a time where if we'll grow with God, we'll become like a tree and we'll get to cast our own shadow. We'll learn to stand up under the heat of the sun. And we'll learn how to thrive in it. And tell other people, you know, when trees are young here, fruit trees, they'll even paint their the trunk white just so it doesn't get burned until it grows up big enough that it can cover its trunk. And there's just something about growing up in God where you can be a help to somebody else. God wants that. He wants that so bad, He wants you to cast your own shadow. Too many people are trying to imitate somebody else. We need to imitate the Lord. The way you're going to do that is just get in the Word of God and let the image of Him become you. And then He'll shape you into the person He wants you to be, and you'll be distinct for Him. You'll have an influence on the kingdom of God. You'll do the work that He wants you to do, and you'll be a blessing. But you can't just live as one who just sits under somebody else's tree. Because you start complaining God will send a worm. (laughs) A caterpillar. You out there, remember that guy, Jonah? He was trying to do God's plan and he got an attitude and sat under a tree. And God said, well, I made that thing for him to sit under and now he's complaining. Some people complain when they get under a ministry that God sent them to. Hey, you can send a worm too. Caterpillar. And it can get real hot. Then then you got an attitude. You're trying to do the work of the Lord. Noah had an attitude. I'm not Noah. uh, Jonah had an attitude. He did. And God didn't like that he had an attitude. He wanted him to serve him with singleness of heart, with joy and gladness for all the things that he provided. He was being used by God to change a whole nation. And he got an attitude. And his tree started to wither too. The vine got eaten. So it would be good for us to watch our attitude. Amen? Somebody said, I was doing so good in this sermon until right then. (laughs) Acts 20, verse 32. Paul, Paul had been preaching. He had... He was coming to the end of his his ministry time on the earth. He had spent years and years in ministry. And the Lord showed him how he was going to have to go up to Rome and testify. And he'd be thrown in prison. And that wasn't uncommon for him, but he knew, I'm not going to go travel back on these paths that I've traveled before. And there always comes that time in life for people as they get further along. Certain phases, you go out of one thing and go into another. And, and he was there. And, and uh, he, he was at this place. And um, he talked about how he didn't hold back from telling any of the truth. That is the responsibility of a preacher. It's sad that sometimes there is such pressure from, and I believe some of it's unseen from the enemy, just not to talk about everything that's in the Bible, because maybe somebody will get offended. But if I don't tell you that being filled with the Spirit is for you today... And that living for God and living a certain kind of life, and that healing has been provided and victory has been provided, and all these things have been provided, then I will have to give an account for that. And then I'll be in trouble when the day comes. But it's interesting. Well, I wasn't going to read this part, but might as well. Verse 29 For I know this man, he knew stuff, he walked with God. And you can know stuff too as you walk with God. He said, for I know this. You can know it beyond your head. You can know stuff way down inside. He said, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves. And he was talking about, well, let's go back to verse 28. Um... Let's go back to 25. I said it's my last set of Scripture, so I just expand these ones a little bit. You ever not fit in your pants and you stretch them a little bit to get in them? It's kind of what I'm doing, just stretching a little bit. Verse 25, And indeed now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Now, he had been preaching there for over a few years. He said, Therefore I testify to you this day, That I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Why was he innocent? For I have not shunned or avoided declaring to you the whole, the whole counsel of God. The whole thing. Now you don't maybe aren't going to get it in one service it would be maybe like one of those services like where Paul preached all night long and the kid fell asleep and fell out the window and died and had to go raise him back up and then finish his sermon. Sometimes, I guess you have to do that. Notice this, verse 27, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Verse 28, therefore, uh, take heed. That's why he was innocent because he told all the truth. Not his version, but God's version. Therefore, take heed or give attention to yourselves and to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And he's talking to ministers here. To shepherd the church of God. That means bring guidance and direction to the people. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah, but I don't want you to get eaten by a wolf. I don't want you to get devoured by the enemy. And he said that the shepherd is supposed to guide him. He said which he purchased with his own blood. Jesus bought you, and if you're saved, you're not yours. He paid for you. You know, like they used to say, this isn't Burger King. You don't get it this your way. It's King of Kings. You do it his way. Because His way is the best way for you. It's the fulfilling way. He said, for I know this, that my departure... Verse 29. He purchased us with His blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you and not spare the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up. Would include women too speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves he was a strong leader but he said when when i leave people are going to try and find their way in they're going to try and pull you this way and they're going to tear you up how are they going to do that through lies through deception speaking certain things. So what is the remedy to keep walking in this freedom and victory and life that they had learned from Paul, that they had been taught year after year? Notice this. Therefore, watch and remember. So it's important to remember certain things that for three years I did not. So this is how long he's been teaching this. Some people talk about, well, I've heard this message before. If you were around Paul, there were things you got to hear again and again and again for three years. Man, I wonder if he's just going to share that same message. But when it's right, it's full of life. When it's God, he'll move on it. And he knew. He knew what was coming for the people, so he taught certain things. You know, God will give me things because he knows what's coming for us. That's why he's been dealing with us about preparing, because of the work and the multiplication of the work. Here he knew wolves were coming. Here we know what's coming. So let's put your overalls on because we're going to work and do his work. But he knew, so he prepared them. God is the great orchestrator and preparer for what comes. And what is coming. Verse verse 31. He said. Therefore watch and remember. That for three years I did not cease to warn. Everyone. Night and day. With tears. He knew. By revelation and by the spirit. What was coming. And he kept trying to tell him. Somebody said. Well you've been talking about this for six months. He talked about it for three years. You've been talking about this for about eight months now. He talked about it for three years, and it hadn't happened yet, but it was coming. Some people say, well, yeah, but you've been talking about it for six months or eight months, and we're starting to see something, but I don't understand why it took so long. Well, he said he was doing it for over three years, and he is a crybaby about it. No, no. He was just so moved with what he saw and knew what was coming, he worked and worked and worked by preaching to prepare them and prepare the way. That's why fancy sermons can't do. They can't. They can't. It has to be full of his life and it has to be of the truth. And he said he he said this. He said he didn't cease to warn him day and night with tears verse 31. So now brethren, I commend to commend you to God and to the word of his grace. So what did he leave them with? He said go after the word. Stay in the truth. Stay in the things I've said. Why? Because that is where freedom is. That's where you're not going to get tore up by a wolf. That's where you're not going to get robbed of the things that God has for you. He said, I commend you to God. I commend you to the word of his grace. Notice this, which is able to build you up. If you'll continue looking at the word, it will constantly cause you to be built up and get strong and walk in freedom. He said, because didn't he say that before when we read those verses there in Corinthians? He said if you would continue doing this, he said there would be a constant change and a revolution would take place in your life. You would be transfigured. That's what happened to Jesus when he was on the mountain. It said he was transfigured before them. What did that look like? His face changed. His clothing changed. He started glowing with the glory of God. I'll tell you what, when you get transfigured, some of the clothes you wear might even change. But beyond that, you'll get transfigured. Jesus was completely changed right in front of their eyes. And if you'll continue in the word of God, then there will be constant change and you'll be transfigured in front of the eyes of everybody else. And he said, so brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able." Man, oh my, if you weren't sure what the Bible would do, he said it's able. The Bible is able. God is able and his word is able. What is it able to do? He said, I commend you to it. I'm telling you, commit to it. Spend time in it. Continue in it. He said, for it's able. Well, if something's able, it has the ability. It can do something. And he said, it is able. Able to do something. What is it able to do? It's able to build you up. It's able to build you up. It's able to make you strong. Strong in the Lord. And give you an inheritance. Somebody said, I've been looking for that. (laughs) Among all those who are sanctified or literally set apart. In other words, he'll give you an inheritance among all the saved people. Everybody here can have it. But, boy, it just seems pretty simple. Continue, and there will constantly be something changing in your life. Let's bow our heads.